From minimum wage to six-figure incomes, high school diplomas to PhDs, this podcast is about the workers who make up our nation's economy. I'm Allie, and this is Employed. I feel like high schools are so college-oriented. It didn't really let you focus on the trades. And so I think a lot of the younger the younger people don't really go to trade school. Thank you so much, Cameron, for coming onto the show and telling everyone what you do. Can you introduce yourself? Yes, I'm uh, Cameron Nielsen. I'm from Ogden, Utah. I work at a place called Williams International, and they make jet engines. I'm a machinist. I'm a laser operator machinist, which is just a different machine. So that's me. What led you to that? Was this something that you had thought about doing for a while, or how did you get there? In high school, I was ahead in credits, luckily, and I had a lot of open space my senior year, and I didn't really want to get a job because I was lazy, and I was looking at things I could do instead of schooling that would help me prepare more for college in the more real world, and one of the options we had in our school district is it was free to go to the technical college in our school district. So the technical college offered many different types of educations. Uh, There's the cosmetology is a big one there. They have EMT, uh, a lot of nursing ones, but I chose CNC machining. So I really chose it because it sounded cool to me and I was looking into engineering and it seemed to kind of line up with what I was doing in life. Can you talk a little bit about that education and that training that was required? Did you have to get a certificate or what was that whole process? So I have a 900 hour certificate and I believe you could have gotten a different type that was 1200 hour, but I got 900 hour and what it looked like for me is you would go to school every day. And I think for people not in high school, The full tuition, I think, was $1,200, so from beginning to end. It's very good for, uh, I think that's kinesthetic learners, hands-on learners. Uh, We'd get a packet, and you would do some problems in the packet, and it would explain to you what you needed to do to finish the packet, and then the packet would have one or two projects. The, the opening packet was just introduction, and it was told you how to use a measuring tape, how to use a micrometer, how to use uh, all different type of measuring tools. And then you learned how to just cut raw material on a saw. And so it just taught you the basics. And then after that, you had one class that was on the vertical knee mill. One of the projects is you made a, a vice, which was pretty unique. And it had, I think, 10 different parts too. And then you built it all together at the end. That makes sense. It does sound like there's a lot of kind of engineering components to it for people that are sort of interested in that. What are the demographics of this field? Um, I'm assuming it's mostly male. Can you kind of talk about the ratios at your workplace, both in gender and age? A lot of old men. I was the youngest in my cell and our cell had about 400 people. And so I was the youngest. I got the job when I was 18. I think the next closest to me was about 22, 23. Obviously, I didn't know everybody in my cell personally, but I only ran into slash knew probably four or five women. 
why do you think that is? Why do you think it's so male dominated and why do you think it catered more to an older crowd? Kind of like you see in the movies sitting in a factory all day. And I think it partly has to do with, it's kind of not going away, but a lot of more people are going to college and trying to get higher educated jobs. I think it's just not put across to like high school kids. I was lucky enough that I looked into it, but I don't feel like, I feel like high schools are so college oriented. At least my high school was and the high schools around in uh, Utah. They're so college oriented that it didn't really let you focus on the trades. And so I think a lot of the younger, the younger people don't really go to trade school. I think a lot of things to keep in mind is a lot of companies will actually pay for your education. So I got, I luckily through the high school program, didn't even have to pay for my uh, trade. So I didn't have to pay for my certificate. And so I got that certificate and everywhere I applied, one of their biggest uh, things is they would pay for your education. So I think you could take six to nine credits a semester and they'd, they'd reimburse you every semester. So that's one thing to keep in mind if even if you want to go to college, but don't really think you have the money for it and you would rather work for a while, I think it's a good opportunity to both work and go to school. And so what is the typical pay that someone can expect in this job? So me with almost zero experience, I got that certificate and it made it so I could do certain jobs. I could use certain machines. But even before that, you can apply. And we, we had at our, our work, it was called the rotary table. After a part would be machine or machined or welded, they would go through and they'd clean up the welds and they would uh, take off burrs or stuff that fingers can get caught on and cut. Uh, they were kind of the grimy anything that involves dirt and getting into it, they had to do. And that I think started at, I think the lowest pay in the company was 1350 an hour in Utah. And to put that into perspective, our minimum wage is 725. So almost, almost double the minimum wage. Then I started uh, with no experience in just that certificate. I started at 15, I think it was 1540 an hour. Plus I was on the night shift, so I got a bonus. So I was making about 1836 an hour. More later on, the longer you're there and the longer you know stuff, uh, you had people that were the heads of machines. But I said, how long have you been here and how are the pay raises? And I knew people that were making $80,000 a year, but they had been there for 30 years. Okay, so, and then with that pay, what... What are the typical work hours? I did 40 hours a week, and that's pretty typical. I know a lot of people there were working overtime, so they were getting, for the 40 hours a week, they were getting their salary, and then for every hour overtime, they were getting double. So I knew people that were working 80 hours a week when they had the opportunity. Can you walk me through an average day of your job? So I was on the first shift when I was training, and that was seven to three. Walk inside, clock in, and you would go to your workstation. So I said earlier, I worked on a CO2 
laser and I was welding with a laser all day. I would walk to my workstation. I'd open my email first thing, see if anything was, uh, sometimes they'd email you and say which parts were, had more priority. You'd pick a set of parts and you got the same part over and over again on different stages. So you'd take a part, you'd roll it over to your area and scan the cart in saying that you're working on it. You'd set up your workstation, which takes 20 to 40 minutes. And then after that, you would run the parts. So it just consisted of pushing a green button, watching it weld, pulling that part out, putting the next part in. And after the part is taken out, we usually had to clean the welds. And then you'd in inspect it to make sure the weld is in the right place. And then you'd put it back on the cart. And then after you finished all that, you'd scan out of the cart and you'd walk it to the next area. Most of the time we were walking it to another inspection station that uh, took a microscope and looked into the weld to see if it was the right depth and the right thickness. And then you would go back to your station and get another set, another cart and start working on your next part. So it sounds like that typical days were fairly similar to each other, right? You kind of knew what to expect each day going to work. Yeah, there's definitely very few days that were different. You do have, I think we had a total of like 180 different welds and then like 60 different cuts that we made. So you're not seeing the same part every day, but the general just doing those carts every day is you, you do that about the same. Did you feel like you were able to interact with other people throughout the day, whether that be coworkers or were you mostly just kind of in your own zone? Um, it kind of was make it what you want it. I had a certain co coworker that I saw every day as I walked in. For the most part, if you really didn't want to talk to anybody, you didn't have to. You just worked in your area and kept to yourself. But a lot of the times when you start knowing people, you start taking your carts to different places. You'd start interacting with people, talking for a couple minutes. Sometimes I had parts that would run for 15, 20 minutes. During those, I, I'd get up and I'd walk around and uh, talk to different people. But if you really wanted to, it definitely could be a by-yourself work environment. Uh, sometimes you interact with the engineers. So if your part continually was messing up, you have to take your cart to the engineers for them to check it. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. So it definitely sounds like it can cater to people who kind of have that personality who would rather just keep to themselves and, and prefer little interaction. Can you maybe talk about what a good day looks like in this job or if there was a day that stands out to you in a positive way? I think a lot of it, I'm, I'm more of a social person, so I enjoyed the longer parts and talking around and seeing what other people did. It was, it was very unique. Uh, we had one of the engines upstairs in the engineering department, and it was cut right in half so you could see the whole engine. And it was super unique to see what you were doing because the first couple of weeks, you're just looking at parts, not really knowing where they go what they do. It was very interesting to see that kind of as a whole. You could look at the traveler 
that's the, the part you scan in and out and you could see all the places your part had been and all the places it was going. Sometimes there would be 80 different operations on one part and then all the parts are put together and put into an engine, which was pretty unique. So what about a bad day for you or what's a challenge that you are frequently facing? Bad days would consist of being behind on a part and then running the part and realize that the weld was wrong or you set it up wrong or something went wrong and uh, you'd scrap three or four parts. So three or four parts would be broken. Then you'd take it to the engineers and they'd be mad at you and not mad. I, I shouldn't say mad, but they'd be frustrated and kind of upset. And then after that, they'd have to come out and see what the problem is. And then after that, it would go to someone else and they'd bring it back to you saying you did something wrong. I think a lot of the harder days was more when people were under uh, heavy deadlines and things went wrong. It is your fault and you didn't mean to. I think those are probably the harder days. Yeah, okay, that makes sense. Thanks for sharing that. And so what is the end goal for someone in your position? Are there promotions or positions that people generally try to work up towards or do they generally stay in the same spot? Some people like to move around more. Some people worked at different machines every four to five years. Uh, Some people, the guy who trained me and the guy across the way were both One of them was at the same machine for 30 years and the other one was going on 20 years at the same machine. Uh, The longer you're there, you can kind of try and do uh, the cell manager. Whenever somebody quit or uh, got let go of a cell manager, you could apply for that job. Uh, But for the most part, people stayed put and kind of just get seniority. So you kind of have a couple different goals of trying to be the one who's been there the longest. When you're there the longest, you then get to train people and you get paid more to train someone every day. Some people like like me will have them pay for their schooling and try and become engineers there. But for the most part, it was a lot of uh, staying in the same place. What advice would you give to someone who maybe might be interested in doing this? Uh, definitely look around. I've always had an interest in aviation. So William spoke to me to look at jet engines all day. There's a lot of different jobs in machining that you don't realize. Some people make uh, medical supplies. There's a machining plant uh, kind of around me and they do liquid injecting and they make catheters. Sometimes there's even mom, pa, machine shops run by a grandpa and then the son who none of them really went to school, but they just know the trade by uh, being shown through their life. Sometimes you'll be ordered from an airline to fix an engine. Uh, It's just a lot of different things. There's a lot of different opportunities and different things to make around the world. I think one thing you can look into in high school is I, I did an internship. There's a couple different ones that you could do, but I did something called the Utah Aerospace Pathways Internship. And I actually got to make my own. It's a little tiny part to an F-35. If you're interested, uh, there's internships that you can look into in high school and college that kind of show you the rounds of what you're 
expected to do. Thank you to Cameron for donating his time to the show. Follow us on Instagram at Employed Podcast and visit our website, employedpodcast.com. Thanks for listening.